0: Okay, hello everyone and welcome to Actus Radio, the nation's only, excuse me, the nation's only radio show dedicated to the clinical documentation improvement profession. Actus Radio is a bi-weekly program dedicated to bringing you closer to the difference makers in CDI and sharing the latest news and information relevant to the CDI profession and to Actis. Today, Wednesday, December 6th, marks our 85th show. So my name is Brian Murphy, Director of ACTIS, the Association of Clinical Documentation Improvement Specialists. And I'm your host for today's program, HIM and CDI. You can see by the screen there, we've got a, a full house oh. here at, at ACTIS at Studios. Uh, but I'm going to start with just brief introduction. So I'm joined today by my co-host, Sharm Brody. She's at the top left there. You can see her background. He's a CDI Education Specialist here with us at Actus and serves as a full-time instructor for our CDI Boot Camps. So, welcome to the program, Sharm.
1: Hi, Brian. Great to be here.
0: Absolutely. Uh, next, we have Paul Evans. Uh, Paul is a Clinical Documentation Integrity Specialist in San Francisco. Um, you can see his background there. Paul is a member of our Actus Advisory Board. He's published um, numerous articles and spoken on some seminars regarding quality and data management, and I'm very pleased to have him on the
2: program. So welcome, Paul. Good morning. Good morning.
0: Okay. Next, we have Glenn Krause. Um, So Glenn is Managing Director of Precision Health Systems. He's got, like Paul, um, an extensive background in HIM, spent more than 20 years as a professional in the HIM field he's a previous actus advisory board member and i'm also pleased to have him on the show so welcome glenn
3: thank you very much brian all
0: right and finally last but certainly not least we have annie yoon uh, annie is principal of ap consulting associates uh annie is also like paul a current member of our actus advisory board she's also highly credentialed in the him field and like paul and, and glenn is a member of, of ahima and I'm very pleased to have her on the show as well. So, welcome, Annie.
4: Thank you, Brian, for having us.
0: Absolutely. All right, as I always do, I'm going to start with a poll question related to today's topic. Um, I ask you to please take a look at these uh, options and then weigh in on that that most uh, best fits your. Uh, facility and we'll come back to the results in a few minutes, but the question reads, does your CDI department consider HIM professionals when hiring for CDI roles? Your options are yes for all roles in our CDI department, Um, yes but only for some positions in CDI, Uh, no you don't consider HIM professionals for the CDI uh, position at your facility, not sure or not applicable. Again, as I always state, some of our listeners are not currently in the uh, working in the hospital setting or might not even be presently uh, employed in CDI. So, again, does your CDI department consider HIM professionals when hiring for CDI roles? Yes, all roles. Yes, but only for some positions. Uh, no, not sure. You might not be in a high, uh, position to hire or not applicable all right we're going to go ahead we've got about 80% of our audience voted so we're going to go ahead and close this out and we will come back to the results in uh, just a few minutes so again as I mentioned we have a, a full house of HIM professionals today I want to welcome them to the program and, and thank uh, Paul Glenn and Annie for being a part of Actus Radio so, you know let's 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 jump right in we've got a lot to cover today in limited time with maybe we could start with just some of the current controversies about hiring practices in the cdi profession you know as i an open show i welcome open discussion and i'm interested to hear about you as him professionals whether you might feel marginalized at all when it comes to cdi um in terms of hiring or in terms of um maybe some unrealistic or or off-base um because misconceptions about your skill sets do you know do you have you run into any obstacles in this profession maybe we could um start with you with you paul with this particular question
2: well yes in a word i've i run into many obstacles um in that if you review Job boards and listing positions uh, from HR, um, many people exclude an RHIA or an RHIT, uh, which is perplexing to me in that um, they would consider an RN with less formal education than Annie, Glenn and I with far less experience um, and without the CCDS credential, um, which is again, supposed to be relevant for this profession. Many um, hiring uh, managers and a number of consulting firms, for whatever reason, will not consider us. So that's been a, um, you know, something that I that I cannot help. But notice has a huge uh, obstacle um, when we submit our our uh, applications; they're just automatically rejected by HR because we're not our ads. All right.
3: Annie, did you want
0: to chime in here as well?
4: Yeah, and I do agree with Paul. I personally have encountered some few occasions when recruiters, for example, would call me with an awesome position, but then as we have a conversation, they're like, oh, do you have any clinical um, credentials? And when I say no, I have a HIM background, um, they typically would say, well, you know what, since it's not on this um, uh, job description with the background of RHIA um, and CCS, I still think your experience will be sellable (laughs) to the hiring manager. So, you know, that is something that unfortunately, um, a lot of job descriptions are probably outdated. Um, Things that I have as a corporate director in my previous life, I've had to update um, and realize how our CDI world has changed to adopt to different types of backgrounds, including um, HIM, Besides clinical, so personally, yes, I definitely have encountered similar issues as Paul. All
0: right, and then Glenn, do you want to chime in here as well? Yeah, I, I,
3: I agree with that. I, I second the uh, uh, Paul and Annie's. I personally have uh, been to an interview. I think this kind of sp- sp- brings home the point. I've been to an interview, a uh, uh, four-hour interview, met with the physician advisors, medical director. Uh, 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 nurse director, revenue cycle director, very positive outcomes, but at the end of the day uh, uh, did not get the job because I was told they were looking for a nurse. Uh, unfortunately, because uh, I answered many of the medical director's questions uh, on documentation issues. In fact, he asked me for additional information and called me up for additional information after the interview because he was trying to solve a problem. But when push comes to shove, They hired someone who, in my mind, uh, was less qualified. I'm familiar with the individual because I was not a nurse. And so the best person for the position from a standpoint of skill sets and and knowledge base and enthusiasm and commitment to the industry was not hired because they preferred a RN designation. Gotcha.
1: Thank you. Yeah, um, all of you have mentioned these skill sets, so let's talk a little bit about the skill sets and strengths that you think HIM professionals would bring to a, um, a clinical documentation improvement team. Um, maybe you could elaborate a little bit on the clinical training that you've had, but also about being able to know all the guidelines and things. Maybe you could elaborate on this with me. Sure.
4: Um, so, I'll take this first. Um, as far as from the skill set, an HIM professional definitely understands uh, coding guidelines and also has a foundation of um, anatomy and physiology. Because during our um, education, especially with the RHIA, and I myself actually in school said I was never ever going to be a coder, but you know, look where I am now. Um, but you know, with that background, you really get an understanding of the disease processes and you understand pharmacology and how um, things are integral um, and along with as i mentioned coding guidelines so that really does benefit a multidisciplinary cdi team um, because it does provide a different lens from a clinician and when you do have that multidisciplinary team it's really helpful at you know CDI reconciliation for example um, when that final DRG comes out for example in the inpatient setting um, sometimes you know it gets a little confusing from the CDI lens so having a HIM professional on the team usually does um, you know uh, provide that uh, bridge between as you know CDI does to the providers um, we explain the coding rules and the necessity of the different uh language that is needed so uh to me that skill set is really helpful um
0: for the cdi professional Right. maybe we can direct this question to, to you as well paul you know paul you and i have spoken quite a bit about this um over the years and just you know i i don't think we 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 would ever say that you know uh your clinical knowledge might be the same as a nurse who's been in a cardiology unit for twenty five years. I mean that's that's a that's a different skill set with hands on patients, et cetera. However, um, you know, you, you have and, and Glenn I know has put a lot of time into learning about pathophys and, and, and talking to doctors and being in the medical record for years. Um has certainly um given you quite right, a I mean, strong could... clinical foundation.
2: Right. Well, as an RHA, we, we have bachelor's degrees in the School of Life Sciences and some of my colleagues have gone on qualified for, for pre-med. So I think there's a misunderstanding that we there's some people think that we have almost little or no clinical knowledge, but we actually, as any said, we do take a number of clinically based university clinical courses. We don't study so that we will provide direct care we don't study so that we will assist at the bedside with the insertion of a central line, but we have the clinical acumen so that if the CVP or the map is struggling the patient is on pressors and the BP is you know, um, is hypotensive, then we, you know, we have enough clinical acumen that we know when to ask a question so that the records can grow. So the focus is a bit different, but it isn't as if we don't have clinical training. Um, there's a difference between a clinical practitioner and someone with clinical knowledge. Uh, I think one of the misconceptions, because of the wide variety of people who work in the industry today, today as coders, um, there are coders that that cannot perform CDI and that probably would not pass the CCDS examination. Um, but when you have an RHA or an RHIT or even other people, people that hold the CDIP or the CCDS examination, um, you know, that, that credential does require, um, if you look at the uh, requirements, uh, the equivalent of an associate's degree, and a, a number of clinical courses in order to sit for the exam as a CCDS. So, uh, I just want to say that it's just not—it's not accurate to say that we don't have clinical knowledge to perform CDI well.
0: Right. You know that that kind of dovetails nicely, Paul, into the you know talk about our CCDS certification and and how that that should be enough to at least open the doors for an interview. Um, it's going to be up to the individual hospital in terms of who they hire and who they're comfortable hiring, and, and there are many reasons um, why folks hire Absolutely. certain folks. You know, including you know things like pay scales, and if you're coming to a nursing position, it, it makes it challenging for a hiring manager who's hiring a non-nurse in a, in a nursing position. But um, you know, we 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 do talk about this. I wanted to share with folks our. Uh, position paper, if you haven't read it, CDI more than a credential, I'm sharing it on my screen right now. Um, you know, it does state this very strongly and clearly, um, as well as the fact that each person should be evaluated on their own merits. Um, so maybe, Paul, you could talk a little bit here just about your beliefs that the CCDS certification and uh, should be the standard for baseline competence and not professional background right. or prior training. Because you, you mentioned right. coders, not some certain coders can't do this job, and I would agree. And there are also some nurses that attempt to get into CDI, and it does not work out for them. So um, maybe you could talk Correct. a little bit about and CCDS.
2: Sure, I'll be brief. I, I think that since we're all members of ACTIS and we all treasure and value this CCDS credential, we need to think about what that means to us if we reject someone that has the CCDS credential. It's just not logical to me that as an RHIA and a CCDS, um, From the very beginning, that person would not be considered, and we we would have an RN maybe that doesn't have a bachelor's degree and with no previous experience and who has not passed the examination, that person would be granted the interview and hired. If we do that, in my mind, that erodes the credibility and the value and the market value of this CCDS credential, because we are marketing this credential as the credential of the industry, demonstrating competencies and baseline. Competencies and values. So I think that we need to be a bit more inclusive. I'm not saying that a coder is always going to be better at A or B. I'm not saying that an RM is always going to be better at A and B. What I am, what I am questioning is, is the motive, the, the the idea that some have, particularly some consulting firms, that no H I M professional of any aptitude or ability can ever perform the exam, uh, the the job. So to so get back to the CCDS. Um, it does include formal. And I mean, physiology requirements, uh, pathophysiology, pharmacology, and so forth. And I, I didn't think it was an easy examination. And I think the, 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 those, those of us that have taken the time to sit for it um, should value that exam and, and be more inclusive.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Any other comments from uh, Annie or Glenn on this?
3: No, I think Paul sounds like uh, pretty good. Uh, 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 if you pass the exam, that should be the, uh, that should be the the standard for demonstrating competencies for hiring whether whether you're a clinician or not uh, uh, there's there's actually clinical questions on the exam uh, that that certainly test your ability to under, to to apply concepts of clinical medicine uh, and it, it, if someone passes the exam it should should demonstrate their commitment to the industry and that they have the core skill sets knowledge core competencies and ability to to uh, at least uh, become a proficient CDI specialist and can hit the ground running, contributing to the organization's goal of improving communication of patient care. Mm-hmm.
2: And and one thing, and let's not forget, we, we all are am guilty of this. We all we always think of RNs, physicians, and HR professionals, but there are other people who pass examination with different backgrounds as well. So you know, we've got to include those professionals as well in this conversation. Yeah, I,
0: I don't want to, that's a great, point i don't want to draw this as a rn versus him because it's not we have mds in our profession you know we have uh dieticians we've got folks with yes all coming out of quality cphq that mm-hmm. have done all this right. job and, uh, so exactly. it, there is there is a strong clinical foundation no doubt and that i would say is the most overriding um factor for success but it's only a piece maybe I think you wanted to ask a little bit about some of the multidisciplinary aspects of of a, of a good functioning CDI program
1: I did and actually i'm going to direct this to Annie because Annie was mentioning it earlier in one of her um, responses to the question but I wanted to discuss just you know so that everybody can hear it if you could just tell us a little bit about the positive ways that people with different credentials including an HIM professional how they can be a you know part of of a strong multidisciplinary uh, team. It's what you had mentioned. And if you would elaborate on it, I think people would love to hear how they can be a part of this team and actually help the team in a lot of ways that maybe our are unable to do, such as coding clinics and guidelines that sometimes we don't know about for, until years into the profession. So if you could help us out sure. there, that would be great. Sure.
4: Thanks, Sean. Um, so, yeah, like I did mention before, you know, I've seen a lot of programs out there, and the most successful teams that I've seen included the multidisciplinary team, and that includes all different types of clinicians and HIM professionals. It really takes a village, right, (laughs) to create a successful department, and it's a team effort. And this type of multidisciplinary team of understanding the inpatient, outpatient coding guidelines, it really does help the team continue to grow Um, To create that career ladder and um, existing uh, departments from CDI and really just maintaining your up to date um, with the industry standard changes Um, that, you know, for us, I know it's really difficult to stay abreast to all the coding guideline changes or all the ICD-10 code changes, for example. Um, So if there are different um, strong points in a multidisciplinary team, you can really benefit during those, um, say, monthly um, CDI meetings, um, where you can really learn from a case that maybe has missed opportunities or things that was baffling or even new technology. Um, And having that multidisciplinary team, I think, engages everybody's um, voice and different perspective, and you really do learn from each other. Um, And it helps to prioritize cases, for example, uh, effectively once you do um, find out which documentation improvement um, target areas um, that the specific organization is um, encountering. Um, So, you know, last but not least, it's the message delivery to the providers. When you have a multidisciplinary team and really have that um strength in communicating i think the message to the providers will be even stronger
1: very good thank you
0: well we've got a lot of great comments that came in during the show hopefully we can maybe try to address some of these afterwards appreciate folks for for chiming in you know we're, we're really at the end of our interview portion but i would just ask our guests any any closing thoughts on maybe where you see the the profession needing needing to change, if at all, or maybe uh, uh, any uh,
3: kind of on how the they can be more inclusive.
2: To, go ahead.
3: Yeah, ahead. I uh, uh, I have an article coming out on coming published Tuesdays called uh, CDI. What's in your toolkit? And I think it's a, a excellent article, uh, not because I wrote it, but because I put a lot of time into what should be in our toolkit, and it speaks to the speaks to the. I believe the industry changes what needs to be in a repertoire of accountability, and, the, and my point is uh, uh, the communication of patient care beyond a diagnosis, and I outline, okay, what 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 elements of documentation uh, should we be held accountable for improving uh, in terms of communicating and fully informed coordinated care, which obviously is what... As part of the value based transitional uh development of the healthcare delivery reimbursement model, so it really it really speaks to the industry change let's get out of our, let's let's and let's encompass the entire chart in our chart review uh, including starting from the e r and uh, extending all the way through the discharge summary we talk about c d i painting a picture or telling a story, well not to be a pessimist but we don't really do a great job of telling the patient's story because oftentimes with the EHR we cannot even we can't even identify the patient. We just have a bunch of lab values and and uh, cut and paste uh, with no indication of how the patient is doing it. and we have a role in improving that situation. We can't do it on our own, but we should be an advocate for it and promoting it.
0: All right. Well, Glenn, I think that's a great message to wrap up on, and maybe you could share that article with, with us, and I'll, um, if you can, I'll post a link to the show notes afterwards. Hey,
3: okay, I sure will.
0: Um, all right, why don't we go ahead and, and show our poll results? So again, I'm going to pull these up on the screen here. We asked folks, uh, does your CDI department consider HIM professionals when hiring for CDI roles? So uh, 13% say yes for all roles in CDI. 14% say yes but only for some positions. Uh majority or no. 47% do not. Uh 20% are not sure and 6% not applicable. Again, that was about 80% of our audience voting. So 13% 27% mixture of yes, 40 47% no. Um maybe what do, what do you guys think? Uh I could start well, with I'm, with I'm not surprised.
3: Here, I'm yeah. I'm not surprised at all because uh, this is what I'm seeing in the industry, uh, uh, must, be a, must be a clinician, and uh, I think that goes back to how do you define what a clinician is, does it require a specific uh, degree, or does it mean you have a clinical, clinical acumen and clinical mindset, and how you analyze a chart from the clinical perspective, so I'm not surprised.
0: Uh, yeah, this, is, this is this is, this is ahead pretty ahead.
2: pretty well what I'm seeing. I, mean, I haven't done a statistical study, but when I've gone to the Actors Job Board or, or spoken with people in other positions, um at least half, I think even more of the job postings to say requires an RN. Um you know, one of the things I like to do just sort of the close is I have an awful lot of RN friends just 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 by the you know, nature of, of the work. Um, and um, I really just like to welcome new RNs into the profession. And, and I think we're just to add to what Annie and Glenn were saying, where we, where we really help is helping them understand uh, the really complicated complex coding rules. Uh, how What is it you really need to know and do when you go into a record? So uh, I really think we need to work t- together more and be more inclusive. And I would just ask the RNs to, um, to think about the different levels and professionalism within the HIM profession. Just like RMs, there are different degrees of competency in education. And I think we're being misrepresented or misunderstood, uh, at least by some.
0: Right. Well, really appreciate you guys weighing in on this. And I again, uh thanks. Thanks for coming on today. We're gonna I'm actually gonna be leaning on you again for our uh, in the news segment. I'm gonna go ahead and pull up something here for our audience. Um just a moment if you could. Pausing for technical difficulties here. All right. well uh, in the news is a regular segment featuring the latest news and industry updates relevant to the CDI profession. Today I wanted to briefly discuss a two-part article on ACP hospitalists. You should be seeing that on your screen at this moment. Uh, It's called ICD-10 embraces definitions of MI. So it's a two-parter. You can read it here again like I always do. I will be happy to share uh, the links to this in the show notes. This is a website that is um, open, so you can go ahead and, and read it. There's a lot of information here. I can't cover it all during the show. Uh, it, I will note it's written by our own Dr. Richard Pinson, who's a regular columnist. This has been for years for ACP hospitalists and also happens to be the co-author of our CDI pocket guide. Uh, I was tipped off the article by a tweet directed to me on Twitter. Uh, I agree with the person who mentioned it to me who described it as a nice summary on, on recent changes to the coding of MI, useful for any doctors who want it, wants to take coding seriously. You know, ACP Hospitalist is directed for physicians, um, and so this article is not heavy on coding, although it certainly is related to the changes that have occurred um, effective October 1st for uh, ICD-10. Um, so it does uh, summarize the third uh, universal definition of myocardial infarction, which has defined six types of MI, uh, really well laid out by uh, Dr. Pinson here. Goes right through types one, two, three, 2, uh, through 6. Um, he notes that the two most commonly encountered are type 1, which is primarily due to CAD, and type 2, primarily due to myocardial supply and demand mismatch, uh, defines these two types. Um, uh mi is defined as myocardial necrosis identified by a rise or a fall of cardiac biomarkers uh, part two which i'll just pull up here uh, briefly um, gets into some of the coding nuances and why they're important again from the article uh, clinically correct distinction between a scanned uh, demand ischemia and type 2 mi is crucial because demand ischemia has far less impact on the severity classification so he, Dr. Pinson does a nice job talking about why these changes in terminology important are important uh, on the severity classification, does not get into reimbursement, which, is, which we know is usually not the best way to talk to physicians about this. They want to know what's in it for them and how it can affect their um, severity profiles and uh, does a nice job of really describing that here, as well as, again, the nuances, some of the coding nuances and, and the different types of... Um, of heart failure so we recommend you check that out again it's acp hospitalist if you the link is up the top of the screen there if you're having difficulty finding it um, i will be posting that in the show notes but any any comments since i do have our uh, some him uh, powerhouses <laughs> on today's show any any thoughts about the changes to the icd-10 code set for mi
2: right we're at the end but i i can give like 30 seconds and then pass off sure. to either Annie or glenn but when the definition for the new definition was published in 2012, our team immediately um, read the article, incorporated the definition into our practice, had the definition vetted and approved by physicians. And when I say the definition, I mean the different definitions um, with the changes you've got to see in troponin and the new signs of ischemia. We found them remarkably helpful dealing with physicians because it is, in, at least from our what I see, physicians still use the terms interchangeably. ACS, myocardial ischemia, and acute coronary uh, and and, and acute MI. There's been some controversy within this CDS world in in regards to what exactly is a type 2 MI. I remember some people within that just were reluctant to code that as a true MI. I think this ends that controversy. Uh, I think it's really important in terms of a type 2 MI to incorporate that definition in your reviews for sepsis. even though SOFA is silent in regards to organ dis, the um, circulatory organ dysfunctions, which might be associated with sepsis, um, is my personal belief that when we have a type two MI caused by septicemia, we have severe sepsis, which satisfies the criteria for a type, um, you know, type three, um, third definition of a sepsis. So, I like these. I think they're very, very helpful, um, particularly the distinction between the type one and the type two. Um three, four, five, and 6 are pretty obscure and, and very advanced. Um, this is a great read for anybody, though. This works in um, coding and CDI. Mm-hmm.
0: Thanks, Paul. Any last comments here? I know we're at the top of the hour. Um, again, I want to thank everyone. I, I just wanted to wrap up by saying um, you're probably starting to see some promotions for our Actis conference. We're finalizing the uh, speaker selection. Those have actually been finalized, and we're going to be publishing soon the complete conference agenda. I think you'll be very happy with the great work put in by our 2018 ACTIS conference committee. So stay tuned for more on the conference. Um, And that again is going to do it for today's edition of ACTIS Radio. Um, We're gonna be back with our final show of 2017 in two weeks where we're going to be saying farewell to a retiring CDI professional of the year. This is a person who's um, been in ACTIS from the beginning as a long and as decorated career in CDI and culminating with um our, our highest achievement CDI professional of the year which he earned. Um so I'm very pleased to have her on. We're not gonna say who it is, but we'll you'll you'll be able to tune in uh the last week of, of the year for uh for that and then we'll be kicking off twenty eighteen with a fresh slate of shows on Actus Radio. As I always say, if you have any suggestions about the format of the show, future ideas, uh, uh, potential guests you think could be good on the show that you've known in the industry. This is how I get my show ideas, folks. So keep sending them in. You've been you've sent me some great ones and uh, really appreciate it. So, again, um, thank you for joining today's X radio. Thanks for our great panelists today. Hope this um, uh, stirred up some good conversation
3: and we'll see you back here again in two weeks. Take thank care, you. everyone. I know.